It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for my man Evan and myself for the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Best odds, fast payouts, use code BIGFEAST for that 50% welcome bonus, which is nice. Speaking of nice, I just sent an email out to the 10 dudes that are going to be in the June MFL draft against Evan and myself. Congratulations again, dudes. Prepare to die. I feel like I'm like a Prentice Bride. My name is Amigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. But the good news is we've got another league that you can get into for the July draft. And then obviously in August, we always have the contest to get into the redraft season-long league with Evan and I. But we'll do another best ball draft in July as well. So all you have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors, either just you can hear them on the show, like betonline.ag, or go to the sponsors page at rostucker.com. There's a bunch of them, and they're all awesome. Otherwise, we wouldn't take them. And then once you take advantage of the code or the URL, just forward it to me, ross at rostucker.com, and say, Ross, I want in. I want you and Evan. Let's do this. And you'll have a great chance to get in. So, and if you tried for last month and you didn't get in, you try again, you got a great chance because that means you're going above and beyond. He's the star of the show. You all know it. He's the main reason why you come. He's the most knowledgeable fantasy guy around, Evan Silva, from Roto World, at Evan Silva, coming to us live from Cape Cod today, Evan. I, I like that. Um, I'm just a former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years classic journeyman who loves fantasy football and loves learning more and more about it from some of the most knowledgeable people around like Jason Moore from the very popular fantasy footballers really excited to pick Jason's brain today Evan and uh, get a chance to hear what he's thinking going into the 2018 season let's get some let's eat it next meal next meal well, as promised, now joined by Jason Moore from the famous Fantasy Footballers. You can check him out on Twitter like I do, at JasonFFL. Jason, it's Ross and Evan here on the Fantasy Feast podcast. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen to you guys all the time as far as uh, different, different avenues. I mean, you guys are everywhere, so I, I appreciate the invite. Yes, thanks so much for coming on, and con- and congratulations on all the success that that you guys have had. And why don't we why don't we start there, Jason? Just I always like to get the background on guys before we dive into the nitty gritty. I know you and Evan have a bunch of bold predictions you're going to make, so I'm going to be writing them down like crazy. But um, I, I I know I follow you on Twitter, so I know the background a little bit. But kind of how did you get into the fantasy football world? 
Yeah, you know, I, I used to run a video game uh, company. Uh, we, we had a bunch of employees, and my COO and our audio engineer, those two guys, all they cared about was fantasy football because, of course, because it's the greatest. And uh, they started a podcast um, a long time ago for our, for our league, just our 12-man just our league, just to roast people and talk about their trades and all of that. And then eventually they turned it forward-facing and uh, we thought that there was a, an opportunity uh, for something that was, you know, really in-depth. We care about accuracy, and we want to be entertaining, too. And so that's kind of the, the formula we've used uh, for the Fantasy Footballers podcast. It's worked out well, and, uh, you know, we, we just have a blast because we're passionate about fantasy football. What's, what, what's the other company? Are you still working there? Oh, no, no, no. We, we, uh, we left this. We've, we've been doing this full-time now for the last uh three or four years completely no that was broken bulb game studios it it, it went it went away <laughs> <laughs> well no problem that happens you you it sounds like you got out the right time and got into the right industry oh yeah we're, we're loving life over here now are you going to be jason at the uh national fantasy football convention we are. Uh, the three of us will be there. In fact, we are kicking off the NFFC with a live show uh, in Dallas that, that Friday. So looking forward to it a couple weeks away. Awesome. I will be there as well, and my producer Brian will be there. Evan is too cool for school, but uh, <laughs> we'll be there. So uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to, to meet in person. Um, would you say, uh, Jason, that you have a, a strategy or – Something that you you lean heavily towards, a motto, if you will, when it comes to fantasy football? Yeah, I probably have a, a, a few different ones. I think one that I say all the time is that you don't win your championship at the draft. A lot of times people spend all their time prepping for draft, and then as soon as the season hits, they kind of wander away and stop paying attention. And, I, you know, that's where maybe you get to the playoffs, but you probably don't get it all the way there. And then, uh, you know, I'm pretty risk adverse in those first few rounds. I try to, uh, I think everyone's good in the first few rounds. I'm just trying to avoid the landmines. Got it. That's an interesting way to look because you're right. We do spend so much time on the draft more than like, you know, in season management. Well, I know you and Evan are going to go back and forth a little bit. So I'll, I'll give the floor to Evan to kind of start. Yeah, so we are going to do bold predictions. Uh, we both, we each came up with know, nine or ten bold predictions for the 2018 season. I know that Jason's going to incorporate some real-life NFL uh, bold predictions. These are low-probability events, but you know, at, at least like it, it, it got us to do, and I, hopefully it will get the readers, the listeners, to do some um, some thoughtful thinking about the season. And I mean. Every year, things that we don't expect to happen do happen. Every year, low-probability events do happen. And that's really what makes sports so great, not just the NFL, uh, but sports so great. And so um, that's what we're going to be talking about. So, Jason, why don't you, you – you can have the floor for number one. All right. I'll, I'll start it off here with a, with a, a medium spicy uh, take. I have Marcus Mariota finishing as a top 10 quarterback this season. Um, you know, it, I know within, you know, the three pack here at the fantasy footballers, the other two guys disagree, but I love 
Mariota this year. You have a guy who came in his rookie year through 5.1% touchdown percentage for, for his attempts, and you thought, oh, that, that's pretty high. Maybe, maybe it was just a good rookie season. Improved on that his sophomore year at 5.8, and then this last year was putrid at 2.9. But that screams bounce-back candidate to me, and they've had this offense that I think has been really hampered. I'm a big believer in Matt LaFleur, who's coming from not only – Sean McVay's uh, lineage from the last year in in, uh, Los Angeles, but Kyle Shanahan before that. So I think Marcus Mariota, who has never thrown more than 453 pass attempts in his career. I mean, if you look middle of the pack last year, the Seahawks at number 16 threw 555 pass attempts. I, I think the opportunity for him to pass more is up. You've got a guy who averages over, you know, a 16 game pace of 350 rushing yards, three touchdowns. And he's got weapons there that I really, really like. So I, I think Marcus Mariota, he's borderline undrafted in some leagues or a super late candidate. And this one, I actually, you know, this one I actually believe in. It's not just a, a low probability. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's some chance out there. I actually have him right now as my quarterback 11. So I'm, I'm bought in to Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I've got him quarterback nine. So I'm right oh, there with beautiful. Jason. Yeah. So, and, and I've been taking him in, in a lot of, uh, drafts, like on, on, on play draft. And so when I, when I got to a point where I had like a big percentage of them and so I started to think like play devil's advocate against him and try to come up with thought, you know, things that I think might work against him. One of the biggest things that I think could work against him is his first half schedule. They face they go at Miami in week one. They're going to be breaking a new offense at that time. Then they host the, the Texans, who should be much better with Watt and Merciless back. And then the schedule from weeks three through seven leading into their bye is torrential in terms of pass defenses at Jacksonville versus the Eagles, at Buffalo versus the Ravens, at the Chargers, and then the bye. So I, I'm not budging on, on Marcus Mariota. But I'm I'm definitely looking at trying to play devil's advocate um, because I'm I'm heavily invested almost to the point of where I'm a little bit concerned that I'm so heavily invested. But I, I hope that we yeah. get this one right. And and I'm with you, Jason, that it's not even necessarily a bold prediction, although it may seem like that. I think it's it's pretty well reasoned and thought out. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm gonna I go agree. with uh, you know with the yeah. Uh, sorry, go on. No man, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to add to your point that Marcus Mariota has he has had a uh, in his short career his splits against top D's and bottom D's are not the mm-hmm. best in his favor so that is a good devil's advocate role but obviously the the season will be a long one especially in best ball you're going to get you know the the entire season no question um, and you know the, one, you know one or two of those those secondaries suffer a couple injuries and it's it's a whole different ball game. Um, so it's we're we're looking kind of far out with the schedule strength of schedule analysis. It's not one of my top priorities in terms of like criteria for evaluation, but I do want to examine what could go wrong when I have like a strong take like we both have. Uh, my first bold prediction is that Doug Baldwin finishes as the wide receiver one overall. Now in, in real life, I have him as the wide receiver ten. I actually just moved him ahead of. Mike Evans, who is now the wide receiver 11 
in my rankings. The Seahawks are missing 37 red zone targets from last year. By far, most in the NFL, missing the fifth most um, air yards uh, from last season. A lot of opportunity. You go back and look at how Doug Baldwin produced after Jimmy Graham tore his patellar tendon down the stretch a couple of years ago. And that's when Doug Baldwin really burst onto the scene as an elite NFL wide receiver. People didn't really think of him as that. I remember that year people did not want to play him in daily fantasy because they were like, oh, this guy's a fluke. He's just kind of a jag. You know, he went undrafted out of Stanford. Uh, but that really has ca- helped him catapult his career and uh, established a great chemistry with Russell Wilson to where, you know, they have that on-field rapport that's almost unbreakable. And because he runs so many routes in the slot, he's going to avoid guys in the division that are scary perimeter cornerbacks like Patrick Peterson and Marcus Peters and, you know, Aqib Tlaib. Uh, so he gets a lot of favorable matchups. He's got that great on-field chemistry with his quarterback, um, and he's got more opportunity uh, than he's ever had in, in his career. And Russell Wilson has been in the NFL, I think this is his seventh season. He is, he is, His pass attempts have gone up every single year. Now, I know that Brian Schottenheimer wants to, and Pete Carroll, want to lower his pass attempts, but I think it's going to be difficult for them to do because their defense is not as good. I think that they're not going to be – a great running game. I think they'll probably be better, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, a running game where they can like impose their will on their opponent. They're going to have to throw the ball to come back in games and to stay competitive because I I think that their defense, they've just saw so much talent on defense. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, you've got Baldwin as, you know, a touchdown hog over the last three years and they are going to need to score because I agree completely in fact, here my second bold prediction will go kind of off of this. I, I think that their defense has lost a lot of pieces. They're going to need to score. They're going to need to play catch-up. The divisions got better. So my number two bold prediction is that at the end of 2018, Pete Carroll will retire. I think uh, he has, you know, you saw it at USC. He's, he had the writing on the wall. He saw the future getting dim, uh, things looking bad. And he walks away on top while the, while, the, while the wheels fall off. And I just think, look, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge Rashad Penny uh, truther. There's two rookie running backs I loved coming in this year. And when the, he was drafted in the first round, I was like, yes, I, I, you know, I, I believed and so does the NFL. But it's a terrible pick. I mean, they lost so many pieces on both sides of the ball. I feel like spending that first round capital on a running back was – was rough for the franchise, and with all the pieces they're missing, um, they might be okay on offense. I mean, that might bode well for Doug Baldwin, but I think as a team, they're going to really struggle this year, and you know they'll, they'll be okay because they have Russell Wilson. But in the future, the next two years, three years, I think they're going to be near the bottom of the NFC West. So I'm predicting that, Keith, that Pete Carroll walks away, calls it quits. I mean, he is currently the oldest NFL head coach and and his history says he knows when to leave town. Love it! Wow, that's that's really really bold, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but actually not that bold because he is the oldest coach in the NFL. So, um, all right. So, and 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 that's one of yours. So you're passing the baton back to me. Yeah, back back um, to you. All right. This 
I didn't know if this was crazy bold, but I'm going to say that no Dallas pass catcher goes over 700 yards this year. Ooh. And what that would mean is that basically all the pass catchers are irrelevant in fantasy. I do think that Alan Hearns has a shot, you know, um, but man, you look at their tight end core. Blake Jarwin is penciled in atop their depth chart. They want nothing to do with Rico Gathers. Maybe that will change and the light will flip on for them during preseason. Like we need this guy to to uh, you know to upgrade our pass catcher core, which is just really really blah right now. Um, but right now it doesn't look good for him. Jeff Swaim uh, and the the rookie that they drafted, the rookie blocker. Uh, that they drafted out of Stanford. Uh, so the the tight end core is pretty weak. They've got Alan Hearns, who you know had a, he did have a big year for the for the Jaguars in 2015, playing mostly on the outside. Last two seasons, he played mostly slot. They're going to move him back to the outside. His game speed on Josh Hermsmeyer's uh, Next Gen Stats uh, website at, at AirYards.com showed up surprisingly well. Uh, when he was running deep downfield last season. He's also missed a bunch of time with ankle and hamstring injuries. And then, you know, Cole Beasley, who hasn't been the same since he tore his hamstring uh, late in the 2016 season. Uh, the rookie Michael Gallup, I think that he is he's an intriguing sleeper. Um, but, you know, most, you know, he's a third-round rookie, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and Terrence Williams, who's coming off a broken foot and a rest, and I think he's gone like 17 or 18 straight games without a touchdown. So I think that it just ends up being on a run first team, an offense that doesn't spread that that spreads the ball around and doesn't have uh, big targets or big production from any particular pass catcher. Yeah, I mean, you you could see it happen. What Dak Prescott are we going to get this season? I mean, he was you know every year the fantasy footballers we pick three my guys. Dak going into last year was one of my three my guys, and man, felt good about that the first half of the season when he was the quarterback one, and then the second half of the season, he was the quarterback 34, and he looked it. I mean, he was missing guys, so I, I don't doubt that they that they could end up in a situation without a wide receiver leading the way. I do like Hearns as a, as a late guy, but uh, yeah, I, I think Dak could end up being part of the problem there if he just isn't as good as he appeared to start his career off. Um, I'm going to go here with the next one. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago that there were two rookie running backs that I absolutely loved prior to the NFL draft. And the other one, other than Rashad Penny, was Carrion Johnson, a guy that I fully believe is not a good running back, but a great running back. And I predict that he is the number one rookie running back, not named Saquon Barkley, because, of course, he doesn't count. He is... He's on an, on another level, but he is being drafted right now behind Rashad Penny, behind Sony Michelle, behind Geis, behind Royce Freeman, behind Ronald Jones. And you know when when the draft happened, I was so excited for about five seconds. I was like, oh man, they traded up in the second round to get my guy Carry On Johnson. And then I realized, but it's Detroit, and they don't have good. They don't have a good running game. They, they have the longest streak of not having a 100-yard rusher. Can he produce there? They've got LeGarrette Blount at the goal line. They've got Theo Riddick in the backfield. Where will Carry on Johnson win? And then it kind of dawned on me 
that the whole Theo Riddick issue of what a great pass catcher he is, might, I might be looking at that backwards. Because over the last four years, Theo Riddick is number two in the league behind only Le'Veon Bell for receptions. The other guys up there with him are, you know, Forte, uh, Devonta Freeman, DeMarco Murray, and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, fantasy superstars over the last four years. And then you got Theo Riddick hanging out there. And what that says is, sure, he's okay at catching the ball. But he's not a great running back, never has been. But it says that Matthew Stafford is willing to check that ball down, that they throw the ball to the running back position. And if Carrion Johnson's as good as I believe he is, uh, and I think he's a, a, a very, uh, very well-rounded player, he can run through the middle to the outside, catch the ball. Maybe he steals that role and adds that to his game. And while it might be a slow start, I think by the end of the year, Carrion Johnson will be the number two rookie running back and a force for the future. I like it. One thing, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show, uh, that I like about the Lions' uh, offense this year is the look of their offensive line. I think that their offensive line has a chance to climb up and be uh, maybe a top 10 unit this season. They're getting back Taylor Decker. Uh, from injury um, at left guard. They drafted Frank Rag. Now, he was mostly a center at, at Arkansas, but he's going to play left guard for them based on where he's lined up throughout OTAs and minicamp. He looks like he's going to be a stud, maybe a guy who's you know a, a high-impact player right away. Graham Glasgow uh, is going to be their center, and Pro Football Focus had him as a top-eight center last season uh, when he played there. T.J. Lang, back healthy, and Rick Rick Wagner uh, at right tackle. So mm-hmm. and they have the makings of a team that could become a little bit more run-friendly, and that would benefit uh, the rookie, Carrion Johnson. Um, you talked about a rookie running back. A rookie running back that we saw lighted up last year was Alvin Kamara. And my bold prediction for him is that he catches 100 passes this season. Um, that's not a, a very common event in the NFL. We do see a, a running back or two, um, you know, catch a hundred passes every once in a while. Uh, and I think that Alvin Kamara can do that. First of all, as a rookie, he got a hundred targets. Uh, I think he finished with 81 catches and now he has more opportunity with Mark Ingram suspended the first four games I think that Mark Ingram's status even after that is kind of in limbo. You know, what if Jonathan Williams or Trey Edmonds comes in or or Boston Scott, the rookie, comes in and plays well during that time frame or Alvin Kamara is just crushing it and they can't justify pulling him off the field because down the stretch last season they started to transition away from Mark Ingram and toward Alvin Kamara as their lead back. Alvin Kamara had more touches and played more snaps than Mark Ingram over the final five games. They were using him at the goal line much more than Mark Ingram, which had always been uh, an established part of Mark Ingram's game. Um, and then Ian Rappaport of NFL Network also, uh, during the time that Mark Ingram's suspension was being announced, uh, he reported that they wanted to transition more toward Alvin Kamara anyway. So, And I also think that the Saints are going to throw the ball more this year than they did last season, and that will create more opportunities for Alvin Kamara to catch passes. So 
Um, I think that the path is there for him to get to up, get up there and, and catch a hundred passes. Uh, and that would be incredible for, for not only his PPR value, but also for his standard league value, because, um, you know, you gain more yards when you catch passes and, uh, that's going to help him in standard, not quite as much as it will in PPR. Um, uh, but it, it certainly will help and boost his floor and his ceiling each week. Yeah, that that would be a that would be a nice ju- juicy uh, happening for anyone drafting Camara. One of the things I loved about him last year was that he went to the Saints, a team that always, as a if you look at team finishes for their running backs, they the last decade they've been so high because of exactly what you're talking about. They pass the ball to the running back more than any other team over the since Drew Brees has been there. Um, that's what I that's what I'm hoping for with the. Uh, with Matthew Stafford this season. All right, here's here's my next bold prediction. Austin Safarian Jenkins is a top five tight end next year. You have a guy who his athletic profile completely off the charts. He's still I you know I I feel like he's a 33 year old player at this point with all the things he's gone through in his career. He's 25 years old. He's a young buck. And, uh, you know, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, I realize they didn't soak up many targets this last season due to injury. But, you know, if you look at the last time Blake Bortles was a, was a touchdown machine, those were, his, those were his options. Those guys are gone. And I don't think he really had someone to replace, uh, you know, around the goal line. Mercedes Lewis isn't going to get it done. Uh, Marquise Lee was I- extremely ineffective. Uh, with his target volume last year. And I think the reports out of camp say that Austin Safarian Jenkins has been great. The rapport with Bortles has has been fantastic. You get around the goal line and you get that Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, stack in the box. You leak Austin Safarian Jenkins out for a couple of touchdowns. And I think, you know, you've, you've had Blake Bortles support other top-end fantasy options in the past. So, you know, the stars are lining up and... It's always easy to predict a high-end tight end because so many of them get injured. All he's got to do is stay healthy, and some of the top pieces will inevitably get out of the way. What, what do you think about that one, Evan? I like it. And staying on, on the topic of tight ends, I'm going to say that Jimmy Graham leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns this year with, with mm. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Um, Jimmy Graham, of course, led the NFL in – red zone targets last year and also led the NFL in targets inside the 10 yard line. He was not as fast last year. And that's evidenced by that was evidenced by just watching him down the stretch. I think that was evidenced by, you know, the fact that he averaged 17 yards per game over the final eight. It shows up in uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's work with uh, looking at game speed via next gen stats um, so that is a concern for me, but the guy's only 31 years old. You know, he shouldn't be over the hill quite yet. Aaron Rodgers, in his last full season in 2016, um, during that season, the Packers threw in the red zone on 67% of their red zone plays. So they were very, very pass happy inside the red zone, um, and if they you know, come anywhere close to that percentage. Um, I think it was the third highest in the NFL. If they come close to that percentage this year, 
it's going to create a lot of opportunity in the red zone for Jimmy Graham. The Packers do have another great red zone target in Devontae Adams. Um, but they, you know, again, they historically, they like to throw the ball inside the red zone. No one commands scoring position targets quite like Jimmy Graham does. Uh, and so I think that he's got a monster upside in terms of sheer scoring. I'm not sure that he's going to have a huge yardage year. You know, those those might have kind of passed him by. Uh, but I think that he can be kind of the kind of the, the Packers goal line back. You know, Rich Rebar has talked about how he was basically the Seahawks goal line back last year. Seven of, the, of his touchdowns came from within the four yard line. I think that he's actually a threat to um, the upsides of like Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones uh, just as much as he is a threat to like Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams work in, inside the red zone. But again, that that's, that's one of my bold predictions, Jimmy Graham. And I, I've been putting my money where my mouth is because I'm taking a lot of him uh, on draft that, that Jimmy Graham leads the NFL in touchdown catches this year. Yeah, I, I agree with your premise that the yards won't be there, but the touchdowns will. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is going to throw what he throws near, get near 40 touchdowns, they've got to go somewhere, and why not Jimmy Graham? He's a guy that I can't stand. Uh, I'm never drafting Jimmy Graham in uh, a redraft, but I have a ton of him on draft in any kind of best ball format because I don't have to pick the weeks. I know I'm going to get the touchdowns. Uh, I'm going to get them all. So I, I, I like that one a lot. I guess since we're – since we're running through tight ends, I'll go with my final tight end uh, bold prediction, and I hate it. I don't like it because I really like the player, like the guy, never want to assume injury. But my sad, bold prediction is that Greg Olson will need a second surgery this season. Ugh. He, Yeah, I know, but that Jones fracture, I mean, you have such a huge history of the first surgery not getting the job done. In fact, 20% of the time uh, when this surgery is done, it, it needs that second surgery to get it finalized. And, and after that, they're fine. But I think he has a lot of things that don't bode well. When he got back last season, I love that he was involved in the passing game, but his foot wasn't the same then. It, it clearly had not fully healed. Then you have the fact that, you know, you've got a history. Julio Jones needed it a second time. Des Bryant needed it a second time. Julian Edelman needed it a second time. Sammy Watkins needed it a second time. And now you've got Greg Olson, who's 33, and as I have recently found out, middle 30s, uh, your body's not as good as middle 20s, uh, newsflash. And then, look, he's 255 pounds. He's putting a lot of weight on his feet, and he's not a guy that's playing 50% of snaps. He's out there every single snap. So he's kind of the inverse to me of Jimmy Graham. I do draft him in redraft leagues because I think he gets off to a hot start. I think he's okay. He's going to be a high-volume guy. But I'm not going to try to hold him for 16 games because I do worry that he will have, you know, as, as so many players before, uh, he'll have a need for a second surgery and he'll miss half the season. So best ball, I'm, I'm avoiding him more at his ADP there because – you know, I, I do actually believe that there's a legitimate chance that it will happen this season. It breaks my heart. I hope I hope that this one is wrong. Yeah, every time I'm getting ready to click his name, I think about that. Uh, and I also think about that he's just got more competition for targets this year. You know, they used a first-round pick on D.J. Moore. Uh, 
Christian McCaffrey uh, is he's going to be in the mix for 100 targets again. He was over 100 targets last year, well over it. And Devin Funches, we saw him kind of break through a little bit last year. So he he's a guy that I started off the offseason taking a lot of. And for the reasons that you've mentioned and for some concern over what is his ceiling in terms of uh, just his usage, I started to back off him. And I actually have taken Jimmy Graham over him uh, more often than not lately. My next bold prediction is going to be that Mike Evans does not finish inside the top 12 fantasy receivers. Again, a lot of competition in Tampa Bay. Uh, You've got Deshaun Jackson. You know that they want to feed Chris Godwin. He's ready for that. You know, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, Adam Humphreys. um, They added the RB, Ronald Jones. They certainly want to run the ball more. Um, And then you've got the three-game suspension for Jameis Winston. I know that Mike Evans' splits with and without uh, Jameis Winston aren't dramatic, but um, he's also had never had this much target competition. Uh, and he's always been a guy that when he's had his big years, he didn't have target competition. You know, everything has kind of, kind of gone right for him, whether it be, you know, Doug Martin got injured one year and they didn't have a running game or, you know, the other pass catchers in his core um, got hurt or just weren't as good as we expected them to be. And he wound up being a target monster. And I'm not sure that he's going to be a big-time target monster this season. Uh, So that will be one of my bold predictions, that Mike Evans does not finish as a wide receiver one. Yeah, I I don't blame you there. I mean, it's a tough division. And while you know a lot of people, I think, early were looking for the Buccaneers to step up, they've made some some good moves, it's really going to be tough. I mean, who are they going to... Who are they going to just easily beat in that division? They're nobody. I mean, the other three teams are significantly better, and that's why my next bold prediction is that Ronald Jones is an unmitigated bust. He's going to uh, flame out and fail. I think that you've got a guy here that is being drafted to be, you know, he, he was drafted by the Bucks in one of the best spots, I think, prior to the NFL draft. Everyone was hoping Saquon would fall to the Bucks at seven because it would be the best landing spot. They've got a giant hole at the running back position. And then they use high draft capital on Ronald Jones, a guy that a lot of people just loved. I mean, you get, the, you get him in open space at USC, and he was electric. But when I watched the film, I saw a guy that was undersized, who couldn't run through the middle, who tried to, and didn't catch the ball. So when he goes to Tampa Bay for a team that I think is going to be losing more games than winning this season, that's bad for the running back usually, especially if you're not the pass catcher. They've got Charles Sims there. And Peyton Barber is still in the mix for the actual goal line duty and the, and the first down duty. So, uh, you know, I just didn't see anything in Ronald Jones that made me believe he's going to come in here in a poor situation, now missing Jameis Winston for a tough opening schedule. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm avoiding Ronald Jones left, right, and center. I just have such a hard time believing. And I know a lot of quality, you know, really great. I know D- Daniel Jeremiah uh, on his pre-draft list, he absolutely loved what he saw from Ronald Jones. 
I just did not. And uh, so, yeah, I'm calling him an unmitigated bust this season. So my analysis and my take on Ronald Jones is very similar. Let me ask you this, Jason. Are you drafting Peyton Barber? Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those guys you can get with your last positional pick. And if he hits, you know, great. If not, cut him and sign someone week one. But he he definitely presents a value because he's been left for dead, and he was pretty good last season. Yeah, I've been taking him to very often in the, like the 12th, 13th, 14th round. And uh, I think that his floor could involve goal line carries. And if Ronald Jones struggles in pass protection or, you know, um, just doesn't earn a lot of snaps right away, Peyton Barber could end up being the lead back. So I think that he can present a pretty decent floor to where he could, he could have like six, seven, eight touchdowns. And then he could have a pretty nice ceiling as well. I don't necessarily love him as a player. You know, I don't think that anybody really does, although he did right. lead SEC in rushing his final year at Auburn. Um, but I think that we kind of know what he is, um, you know, and we know that he doesn't have like a monster ceiling, but I think he's got a, maybe an underrated ceiling and uh, a, a decent touchdown floor. Um, I'm going to move on to Allen Robinson. Barely finishes as a wide receiver three in fantasy. Mm. We've seen over the years wide receivers transitioning from team to team in free agency. So many of them struggle. You know, so, some guys hit, some guys hit, but so many struggle. Um, it's it's a big transition, moving from an offense into a different quarterback. We haven't seen Allen Robinson play well since 2015. He was really inefficient in 2016 and 2017. He didn't even really play because he tore his ACL three snaps into week one. At OTAs and minicamp, he was still limited. You know, the Bears said that the reason that they didn't want Cameron or that they didn't match the uh, restricted offer of the saints for Cameron Meredith was because they were worried about his knee injury. Well, guess what? Allen Robinson did even less than Cameron Meredith did during OTAs and minicamp. Maybe they're just nursing him along. Um, you know, we, we can't know that for sure, but you know, is he for sure, certainly going to be a hundred percent? I mean, he should be, uh, but it, mm-hmm. it's a, it just a, a adds another flag. And then, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, and this could very well have been in large part due to the due to uh, just the personnel around him. But Mitchell Trubisky was so much better throwing the ball in the middle of the field than outside the numbers as a rookie. Um, so the guys that I like, and especially based on cost, because Allen Robinson is by far the most expensive pass catcher in Chicago. The guys that I like are the cheaper guys, Trey Burton and Anthony Miller way at the end of, of drafts. Yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I don't blame you there. I mean, they, they present a good value, and it's been a while. I mean, we have to keep in mind, it wasn't like Allen Robinson was lighting the league on fire his last healthy season. So, I mean, I do realize last season he had a 100% catch rate, which is pretty good. He got that one ball. But I, I'm, <laughs> I lean towards your side of thinking that Allen Robinson is a little overrated right now, having never seen Mitchell Trubisky Take a take that step forward, and I think I think right now the Bears are getting too much of a bump from 
last year's Los Angeles Rams. You know, out with the old, in with the new, and everything worked out well. And so now everyone's just mm-hmm. imbuing the Chicago Bears as the next version of that happening. I mean, maybe it could happen, but I think too much is being given to the Bears. You know, uh, for, you know what my, you know what my issue is, Jason. My my issue is that Evans' bold prediction as it related to Jimmy Graham is something that Tony Romo literally said yesterday. So Ooh. I don't know how Great bold. Minds. Literally, Evan, please tell me you saw where Romo was talking about how big a deal Jimmy Graham is and how that's going <laughs> to be the key to the Packers. Now I think Romo is a little crazy saying that they're the most improved team and they're the team to beat. But I just wanted to bust your chops a little bit on that. No, I'm I'm in, I'm vacationing on Cape Cod, and I've been mostly away from from Twitter. Uh, oh, it's so funny! Literally, go, yeah. just Google it because Romo went on this like long one minute, like two minutes about how Jimmy Graham in the red zone with Rodgers is going to be deadly. He's going to catch a million touchdowns. They're going to have two tight ends, so you either run the Mercedes Lewis side or you don't have help for Jimmy Graham. And so it, it was just funny that that was like your first. <laughs> Bold prediction. Well, this was awesome. Um, we got to do this again sometime because I bet you guys even have more bold predictions up your sleeves. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Uh, he, again, check him out on Twitter at Jason FFL, and I'm going to get a chance to meet him in person uh, in a few weeks, which is great. That'll be fun out there in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And those of you who listen to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast know. Um, I'm giving away 10, 10 passes, 10 field passes for that event. So um, it's not just to see me or anybody else. Is it Michael Irvin, Zeke Elliott, Jason Moore? I mean, it's loaded with superstars. Thanks so much, Jay. Absolutely. Thank you. That was awesome. Almost as awesome as getting a shout-out for your biz, your small biz, your medium biz. I don't care what it is. You take advantage of ZipRecruiter.com slash feast, the free trial over at ZipRecruiter, boom, you will get a shout out on the feast about your business. That's pretty cool. That's worth it just right there. Look, hiring people, I've got a couple small businesses I'm involved in, biggest pain in the butt in the world. So hard to find the right person. And as we all know, a complete disaster if you hire the wrong person. So usually it either takes a long time, which stinks. Sometimes you hire the wrong person, which is awful. ZipRecruiter actually goes out and finds the people that match what you're looking for. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. It's the highest rating Rated hiring site in America. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. To try it for free, you got to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. F-E-A-S-T, feast. You know how to spell feast. Come on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. That is a good deal. Sign up for something for free. And get a shout out for your business to thousands of people. Good luck topping that deal, anybody. That'll do it, by the way. For today's Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, great stuff 
As always, if you liked it as much as I did, please rate and review the show. That is always much appreciated. I know most of you have already subscribed. If you haven't subscribed, why not? Make sure you are subscribed, please, my friends. Other than that, awesome Even Money podcast today and Ross Tucker football podcast as well. But for right now, I'm stuffed. We just ate a lot there. I think we're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.